You're listening to The Preppy Podcast, and I'm your host, Patricia May Olson. I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch and listen to past episodes at thepreppypodcast.com, and be sure to follow at The Preppy Podcast and me, Patricia underscore May underscore Olson on Instagram. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Preppy Podcast. I am so excited because today I'm talking with my friend, Sarah of May NYC, and she creates some of the most beautiful dresses. Um, I have been following along with her for the past year or so, but I met her in person um, at the Southern Sea a few weeks ago, which I know I always reference. Um, And then I actually had the pleasure of going to her studio when I was in New York City a few weeks ago and getting to work with her. Um, I ordered a dress for one of my friends' upcoming black tie weddings that I cannot wait to see. And I got a sneak peek of some of her spring designs and collaborations and they are so good I cannot wait like Sarah just take all of my money Uh, but let's get into this week's podcast episode all right so why don't you let everyone know who you are where you live and what you do Sure. So hi, everyone. My name is Sarah May, and I am the founder and creative director of May, a New York City-based luxury women's wear brand, and I am based in New York City. I love that. And I had the pleasure of finally meeting you at the Southern Sea a few weeks ago in person, but then also stopping by your studio um, and getting a dress that I'm so excited to wear for one of my friend's weddings. So definitely highly recommend. Obviously, the clothing's so cute, but also I just love your attention to detail. Thank you. So before we get into talking, you know, about the brand as it is today that you have, um, I want to hear a little bit about you as a kid. Like, were you always creative and entrepreneurial or into fashion? Tell me about young Sarah. Totally. Um, I feel like my mom should be answering this question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I have always been super creative. I think my parents really leaned into it from a young age and they were so incredibly supportive of me um, when I really first started having an interest in anything fashion or jewelry related. Um, when I was maybe like, I want to say maybe five or six, we drove to Maine. I have this like very distinct memory. It was a 10 hour drive. It was like the first really long drive we did. And they put me in the backseat of the car with a bucket of beads mm-hmm. and like a thing of string. And apparently I sat there for 10 hours straight and just strung beads and made jewelry. <laughs> and so I think at that point they were like, okay, I think there's something here. Um, but yeah, after that, I mean, jewelry actually was kind of like my intro to the industry, I guess you might say when I was when I was in high school um, and middle school, even I had my own um, little jewelry store uh, oh. that I it was called Peaches and Cream. <laughs> 
which I actually don't know if I really ever told anyone about this. Um, but yeah, my parents were so supportive and I um, actually sold some pieces in local boutiques, um, which was really cool. But that really was like, I, I clearly had an entrepreneurial spirit when I was really young. Um, and then my high school actually had a fashion program. So I was really lucky. I, you know, I got in on the ground floor of like figuring out what I wanted to do by the time I was about 13. Um, and when I graduated high school, I like was very much applying to fashion programs. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you had a jewelry business to start yeah. <laughs> way back when. Way um, back. I, there's so many of us that I feel like I've interviewed or even myself who like always came up with little ideas of businesses as kids. Um, so the entrepreneurial spirit was definitely strong. And how cool is that though, that your high school offered a fashion program? I feel like that's not very usual. Yeah, super unusual. I went to the Holton Arms School for Girls, um, and they had a program called Punch, which stood for me, see if I can remember, People United with New and Creative Hunches. Oh. (laughs) I did not come up with the name. Um, But it was an amazing program. You know, it was um, a nonprofit. We basically raised money for a charity called Suited for Change, Um, similar to, I think a lot of people are familiar with Dress for Success. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was one that was in the D.C. area where I grew up. And uh, we donated all the proceeds from our fashion show to Suited for Change, where I actually volunteered um, as well during high school. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's so awesome. I wish more high schools had fashion programs because I feel like you get the touch of it with home ec, but like you're making a pillow or something silly. Um, And my high school had an interior design program, which I loved. And my best friend, she went into interior design after that and studied it at High Point in college and all. Um, But I feel like that kind of dipped my toes in the fashion and lifestyle sort of realm. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. So then you you decided you want to go to fashion school um, for college. So tell me about that. Like, where did you go? What did you study? What was your experience like there? Totally. So um, when I was probably a junior, I was like gun ho on moving to New York, going to Parsons or FIT, like all I wanted to do. And my parents, I was, I was in a really rigorous um, high school program um, academically. And my parents were like, absolutely not. (laughs) You are not going to fashion school. Um, You're definitely not moving to New York at 18. And um, you need to go to a four-year university. And so I kind of shifted gears and decided to try and find a program within a four-year university. Um, And so there are quite a few of them out there, but um, most people don't know Washington University in St. Louis, WashU, actually has the oldest university-based fashion program in the country. Um, And I applied their early decision it was the only school I had one other that actually that I applied to, but it was very much like a um, safety, I guess. Um, and but it was the only school I intended to apply. I applied early decision, got in and I knew where I was going with, I think, by November of my senior year <laughs> um, of high school. And I loved it. It was amazing. I joined a sorority. I met my now husband there. My best friends all went to WashU. It was um, honestly like the best four years. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so cool. So how how did you even find it? You just researched it then? Yeah, a ton of research. We didn't really know anyone that went there. Um, coming, I mean, it's a big like uh, feeder from the East Coast. A lot mm. of people from the DC area go to WashU. Um, there was one or two other girls from my high school that went actually. Oh. Um, but I did a lot of research. The other schools that have programs are like Cornell, um, Wisconsin has one. 
But I, you know, I really, when I visited Washu's, like I knew immediately the mm. campus is so beautiful and it was a really small program. Um, there were actually only seven of us wow. in the fashion program. So it was like super specialized. Um, and I was also able to double major in art history. So it was, you know, it had everything I wanted. That's so cool. I think a lot of people, especially high schoolers, don't realize that. Like they think they have to go to a, an art school basically totally. to be a designer or you do like marketing instead. But there's a lot. I know University of Delaware too and Immaculata yep. where I went, they have a fashion program where it's more um, – Delaware, I think, is more design, but Immaculata was more fashion merchandising, but you learn all the apparel construction and um, some of the design and um, textiles and all of that in the course. Um, totally. So there are different options. And I kind of was in the same boat. Obviously, I'm not a designer, but I've always been into fashion. So I like the option of going to a school where I studied communications and then also fashion merchandising. So you yep. kind of have both ends of the business if you get into it. I get so many high school students that ask me for advice when they're starting to look at colleges. And actually, that's actually usually one of my main pieces of advice is Mm -hmm. like, don't feel like you have to go to art school, like find a program, like go to a four year, go enjoy, join a sorority, join clubs. Like you don't have to be in New York yet. It'll still be here. Exactly. No, that's such great advice. Okay. So you have your degree then from WashU. So what did you do after that? Where'd you move? Like what was your first career? Yeah. So, um, uh, every summer of college, I was in the city. I'm saying, don't move to the city. I'm like, I could not wait to get here. <laughs> so um, every summer of college, I had an internship. Um, those were some of the hardest, uh, summers of my life, I think. <laughs> um, I was an intern for Marquesa, um, which for those of you who don't know, is a high, high, high-end couture luxury women's wear brand um, that is owned by Georgina Chapman, who at the time was Harvey Weinstein's um, wife. Oh uh, so, I forgot yes. about that. <laughs> yes. um, she and Karen Craig, who no longer is with the brand, um, were uh, head of the the company at the time, and that was a rough summer. <laughs> it was um, back in the days of unpaid internships, and I worked probably like fourteen hour days, five days a week, unpaid. It was like, oh my gosh, it was terrible. <laughs> but what I will say, silver lining, I learned so much that summer. I was in the garment center every day. I felt like I was paying my dues, and. Um, I got to work on some really cool projects. Um, and so that that part was redeeming. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the next summer, I was actually an intern for Michael Kors Collection doing their runway, um, which was so cool and really gave me my first toes into corporate fashion, um, which I realized was a much cushier place to be than working <laughs> um, at Marquesa. And then... Um, you know, my always my end goal was to be at Kate Spade. And so my third summer, I remember interviewing for them while I was studying abroad in, in Florence. Um, and it was like, like two in the morning because of the time difference. Oh my God. And I remember interning and then I got the job to intern. I interned for the summer. And at the end of my internship, they were like, Sarah, we have an assistant position open. And I was like, okay, but I still have a year of school left. And they were like, but we have an assistant position open. And I went to my parents and I was like, I could go, I could just start. And they were like, absolutely not. Go back to school, finish your thesis. Like it'll still be there. 
Um, and so I had to actually turn down my first job offer from Kate Spade, which was gutting. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Especially if that um, was your dream. It was my dream job and I had loved my summer there. Um, and so about, you know, I guess a year, almost a year later that March, um, I was finishing, I just finished my thesis or about to, you know, present my senior thesis collection. And, um, I started interviewing with them again and I had to reapply, redo a project, go through the whole nine yards again. Um, but I was very lucky and I got, I got my first job with Kate Spade. Um, and I started three days after I graduated. Wow. That is amazing. I mean, clearly you paid your dues. You (laughs) you learned a lot. You had all the internships. So tell me about your job then at Kate Spade. What were you doing? Um, you know, what was that like? Yeah. So Kate Spade was my dream job in many ways. I still felt like until about a year ago, it was and would continue to be my dream job. Mm -hmm. Um, I was there for six and a half years between my internship and full time. I started as an assist, a coordinator actually, which is below an assistant (laughs) and worked my way up to designer. Um, I worked on so many different categories, which was incredible and really just It taught me everything I needed in terms of being like a basis for the industry and gave me such a huge support network and practical knowledge um, going, you know, to doing what I'm doing now. But my years at Kate Spade were so fun. Um, It is true what they say that champagne really does flow on Tuesdays at noon. Um, (laughs) Every meeting I felt like I was like coming out of, I was like, whoo, it's really early for champagne. Um, But I started in women's wear doing their Broom Street collection and which was like more casual and then very quickly uh, transitioned into licensing actually, um, where I touched like so many different categories. So I was working on swimwear, children's wear, sleepwear, outlet. Um, at one point I was doing international children's wear. I was going to Japan every 10 weeks. I spent a ton oh of time gosh. in Tokyo. It was crazy. I was like 23 years old and I was like, wait, are you sure you want to send me to Tokyo by myself? That seems like <laughs> maybe not the best plan for everyone involved. <laughs> but um, It's funny how fast you have to grow up in those types of environments, right? Like it's such a small team and people just expect so much out of you. And mm-hmm. um, I felt like I kind of went from 20 to 30. And it was both like the longest 10 years of my life. And also like, I felt like I just blinked and it was over. So yeah, but I loved every single second that I had at Kate Spade. I can't say a single bad thing about it. Like it really, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I love hearing stories where someone has a goal or a dream and then you ended up getting there. I think that's so cool. Um, But now you have your own brand. So let's talk about that. When and why did you decide to start your own? Yeah, totally. So um, in 2020, my uh, very dramatically, my dream came crashing down. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so as everyone knows, COVID took a pretty big toll on the workforce in general throughout the world. But um, the fashion industry got hit particularly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, as you can imagine, we are not essential workers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in 2020, I, among with my entire design team, was laid off from my job at Kate Spade due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not see it coming. In fact, I pretty much thought that I was working on outlet at the time and was making the company so much money. And I was like, I'm safe. Everything's fine. My boss and I both were like, we're going to be great. It's no problem. (laughs) Just kidding. So uh, (laughs) that was June of 2020. Um, And at that point, I sat on my couch and pretty much consumed, I think, like half of Ben and Jerry's uh, production for the year. (laughs) Was like, so distraught. Um, I 
start, I immediately started applying to jobs. I took no time off. Like I thought I was going to go home for a while, um, to DC and stay with my parents. Uh, my husband drove me back home for two days and I looked at it. I was like, get me out of here. I got to get back to New York. I got to start looking like I can't sit still. So, which is very much in my personality. I don't know why I thought I could take a break. Um, yeah. but I applied to somewhere between like, I want to say like five to eight jobs. Um, at a variety of companies, J. Crew, Gap, Masonette, um, which is a luxury children's wear company. Mm-hmm. I was um, up for a design director position at Masonette. I was interviewing for for one of their new collections. And I actually was really excited about that job for a minute, um, which didn't pan out, which thank goodness, because now I'm here. But yeah. um, by July, I had already started getting frustrated with like the lack of jo- like not not only the lack of jobs, but the quality of like what the jobs were going to be. Um, at Kate Spade, I had my hands in everything. Like I really got to own my own categories. I was the designer. I was like looking, I was working with production. Like I really had a ton of hats and I, I missed, I missed that a lot. Um, and having that kind of like full circle view of the design process. Um, and so by that point I had started kind of going back through old sketchbooks and like just trying to figure out what I was going to do and <laughs> like going through sketchbooks um, from college, which honestly are hysterical. And I highly recommend anyone doing that because it is very funny to think about what your college mind was looking at. <laughs> um, but I had been like sketching logos and labels and like kind of not even realizing it um, in margins. And it's like very much like almost like a fairy tale kind of vibe of like, oh, it just happened to be there. <laughs> It's a Hallmark movie. (laughs) Truly, by August, I was like, all right, if I was going to do this, what would it look like? And how would I approach it? And I, you know, I struggled so much with the amount of production and overproduction that was happening in the industry. Um, In corporate fashion, I started looking into a lot of the data behind it. And it turned out that most of the corporate companies were overproducing product by 30 to 40 percent every single season, four seasons a year. And most of that product is ending up in a landfill. And so I was like, oh my God, how can I even think about contributing to this if there's already so much overproduction happening? Mm -hmm. Um, But I knew that there had to be a way to kind of go about it in a much more sustainable way. And so I made the decision in probably late August or September that I was going to do this. And I launched in January of 2021. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. so amazing. Like it, it so seriously bad. could be a Hallmark movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay. So you decide you're going to do this then. So yeah. what were some of the first steps? I mean, I think that's always the hardest part for someone starting businesses. It's one thing to have an idea, but it's a whole other thing. And that's what stops a lot of people from actually doing it. Like, so how did you get it in motion? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I have, I'm very, very familiar with the Garment Center because I had spent so much time there as an intern and even a few of my years at Kate Spade. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people that I talked to about this, they're like, oh, well, you worked at Kate Spade. You had all these contacts. No, <laughs> I had a huge support network for sure. And so many people encouraging me, which was amazing. But all of my Kate Spade production and fit, everything was done overseas in China, which I knew I didn't want to do. Um, I felt very strongly about having 
a personal quality control by producing everything in New York. Mm -hmm. I wanted my hand in it. I wanted to be able to visit the factories. I wanted to be able to make sure that the quality was truly perfection, um, which is, I know you mentioned attention to detail when we first started talking and like that truly is like my bread and butter. Like I want everything to look like it came off a couture rack of Dior. So, um, you know, I didn't really have those contacts. Um, So when I first started, I uh, leaned on the CFDA, the Council of Fashion Designers of America. Um, They have an incredible resource online um, that basically is a list of every single factory and um, production person that's certified with them in the industry and their contact info. I must have reached out to a hundred different teams um, just trying to like understand would they be do would they be willing to talk about made to order production? What would that look like? What was the costing? Um, I actually started working with a company that ended up being terrible and I had to like steal my patterns back from them. It was like oh a whole sh- it was terrible. Like it was not an easy start. It was very rocky. Um, and then eventually I just got lucky. I found this woman, Janae Stefaniak. She is from Stitch Lux. She's amazing. She was uh, trained on Savile Row in London. She Her eye for tailoring is incredible. And she really took me under her wing. She taught me a lot about how the New York City Garment Center works in terms of production. Um, and she really helped me get my first two collections off the ground. That's amazing. And I think anyone listening who wants to start um, a brand or their own business in fashion or accessories, that tip about the CFDA is so helpful because I think a lot of people that I interview on here, a lot of them take to Google and end up, you know, on Alibaba or those sorts of sites, but you can do it in the U S. And, um, so I think that that tip was very helpful. So how would you describe your brand to those listening who aren't familiar? Like tell everyone uh, sort of the size range, the styles, the vibe, all of that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I like to describe us as a brand that is obsessed with everything colorful, sparkly, and just ultra feminine. Um, We currently have sizes uh, zero through 20. So we really are working to incorporate um, a wider uh, size range than um, we that I've worked on previously, which has been a challenge in itself just to like understand grading and um, making sure that our clothes are fit to everyone's body types as best as possible. Um, And then also, you know, I think as a brand, we really champion a, a slow approach a slow approach to the business um, by combining made to order and small batch production um, to making sure we're not overproducing our product, which I know I mentioned I'm, I was so careful of when I wanted to start the brand, just making sure I wasn't contributing to a lot of the, you know, the issues that were happening in the industry. Um, and when I first started made to order, I was truly doing like one by one by one. Um, and I found a, a team of uh, seamstresses that was willing to work with me. Um, but we're growing so quickly, which has been so exciting. And now it's like, okay, now I'm doing two by two and four by four and and really getting to like get some more product out there, which has been really exciting. Um, we just did a, a our first small batch production run, which was like 15 to 20 pieces, which was really big for us. <laughs> um, so all of that's been really exciting. Um, the other thing I'd say is we use a lot of dead stock fabrics. Um, and dead stock is essentially 
fabrications that um, mills, like large mills or large fabric houses, um, basically have extra of, and they risk landing ending up in landfills. So I'll actually go in and scoop up all that yardage, and I like to upcycle it with our new collections. Um, I do that a lot with fabrics from like Carolina Herrera and Oscar de la Renta. So the quality of the fabrics are just absolutely amazing. Um, and then any fabric we're not buying dead stock, I'm sourcing um, only out of Italy, France, and South Korea. So super high, high quality attention to detail. Um, and I would say style-wise, it's very much like authentically me. <laughs> <laughs> I am my own customer by far. And um, it's quirky and colorful and a lot of silhouette inspiration from the 50s and 60s. And honestly, just kind of different than like what's out on the market right now, which has been yeah. a really like differentiating factor for us. And no, I love how you said that it's feminine because it's definitely feminine. Um, I love what you're doing with the dead stock fabrics too. Yeah. I mean, some of those fabrics are just so yummy and feel yeah. so nice and look so beautiful. Um, so it, I, I'm obsessed. Thanks. So um, you said that, you know, things are kind of getting really busy and taking off. So what's been your best form of marketing? Like what's really helped get the word out? Yeah, totally. When I first started, um, Instagram was like an enormous tool. It was still the pandemic. People really weren't shopping out on pop-ups or things like that. And so Instagram was a way for me to grow. Mm -hmm. um, I started working with influencers pretty early on, which I had like both positive and negative like uh situations with. Mm -hmm. Most of them were pretty positive. Um, but as a really small brand, I obviously couldn't afford to pay anyone. So I was um, just sending out garments for free, which got really expensive really quickly, um, especially because at the time, you know, the influencer, the influencing world these days, um, of course, like it is a job and you should get paid for it. And if you're receiving a lot of garments from brands that can't pay, like I get it. Like it's, it's too much to have to post mm -hmm. about so that, um, you know, as we've still been very small, that's kind of, I, we've been moving away from that. Um, but since then we also started doing pop-ups and I, our pop-ups have been the best way for us to meet customers in person, be able to show them and walk them through the quality, the fabric, the, the way things are constructed and really like teaching them about the brand. And that has really just kind of branched out through word of mouth as well. I love that. That makes sense. Um, what would you say is your greatest challenge? Like what, what's the hardest part about business? Honestly, two things. One, I had no idea when I started how many hats I was going to have to wear. Like it is a, like, I didn't know I was going to have to do finances. Like, I know that sounds so <laughs> silly, but like, yes, of course, Sarah, you're going to have to do finances. But like, I was a designer at Kate Spade. I didn't have to think about any of those things. I just submitted my expense report and got reimbursed. Like, <laughs> and so when I started May, I feel like I actually spend more time in Excel doing spreadsheet like calculations than I do actually getting to design. Um, and so, you know, having to be the CEO, the creative director, the CFO, the CCO, like it's, it's a lot. <laughs> a lot, um, which really brings me to the second, which is time. I don't have enough time. Like mm -hmm. I am pretty much a one woman team. I have uh, three contractors I work with um, on retainer that I absolutely adore, um, especially our social media and me social media manager and photographer, Kate McReynolds. She is absolutely incredible. And I feel like I don't even know where she came from, but I'm never letting her go. <laughs> um, <laughs> She really, she's been such an instrumental part of growing the business. Um, 
And, you know, it's hard being a tiny team and growing so quickly, like you have to figure out what what point it's worth paying to bring on someone when you're still not making a ton. And like, is that actually going to help the business? Is it going to hurt the business? So it's a lot of decision making to be and being a one woman team is really it's hard. It's a lot of pressure. Um, Mm -hmm. But I am hoping to take on an intern this year, which would be a huge step for me. (laughs) Oh, that's exciting. Anyone listening who uh, might be a good fit. (laughs) If you want to (laughs) come hang out with me in New York, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) So on the flip side to that, what's been your favorite part or like a pinch me moment you've experienced so far? Yeah. um, So I would say there's actually been three big ones, two last year and one this year. Um, So last year we were featured in Harper's Bazaar, which was like, I like, I'm pretty sure I like just started crying. I don't even, (laughs) it was so crazy. Um, That was amazing. Um, And then a few months after that, uh, back this, just this past December, we were, had one of our pieces on Emily in Paris uh, from Netflix which also was like a, how is this even happening right now? Um, and then just last week, um, Blair Eady actually just wore one of our pieces and she was, she is such a style inspiration for me and I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, I've made it. (laughs) (laughs) Those are all such great moments and definitely worth celebrating. Absolutely. So what's a goal that you have for the future? Um, so I think in terms of like a PR staying on the PR topic, I, I think, you know, I would, I, having your piece on Emily in Paris is, it was so, um, relatable for so many people where like when you're in a magazine, like it's very cool as a fashion person, but like, let's be honest, no one's really like reading Harper's Bazaar anymore, <laughs> maybe <laughs> online, but like at least in print, they're really not, yeah. which it's just a very different feeling than it was back in the 2000s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Now people are like, oh my God, you're on Emily in Paris. Like, is your life over? <laughs> so I think maybe getting like another um, magazine, like another um, TV appearance would be really amazing. I would die to be on um, the Sex and the City reboot and just like oh. that. I think that would be so amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. That's like iconic. Yeah. That's so cool. Those are great. Um dreams and we're putting it out there in the universe. Yes. So it'll happen. Manifesting. I'm a big manifester. Yeah. <laughs> um what about a dream collab? I'm curious. Like either another brand or a person. Like who would be a dream collab? Totally. So I guess this isn't really a collab, but like the first place my mind went is I would die to dress someone for the Met Gala. Mm -hmm. Um, that would be like a total dream for me. Um, especially because like, it's so non-commercial. So like it would be so creative and I could pretty much just do whatever (laughs) we like worked with the theme. Um, so I think that that would be such a dream. And if I got to pick someone, it would probably be Taylor. Cause I mean, I can't even imagine anyone else I could possibly dress and I think I would just heal over. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that answer. That's like so different than my normal answers. So oh, really? that's so cool. Everyone's yeah. always like Taylor Reese Witherspoon. Met Gala. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so where do you find design inspiration? I know you talked about, you know, um, some silhouettes from the past, but where, where do you find inspiration? Yeah, totally. You know, living in New York City, it sounds so cliche, but this city is truly the most inspirational place. Like the energy that I get from here, it just keeps me like going. And it's being in the garment center, being around fabrics like all the time, all day, every day. It just really like it's like my creative energy never turns off, which is exhausting. (laughs) But it also it just like I feel like when I'm here, like 
it just flows and I just everything around me really uh, breeds new designs and and new inspiration. Um, I'm also very fabric oriented. It's really the basis of when I start a collection. So when I'm in the garment center and I see a fabric, sometimes like it'll be for, I'll pull something and I'll be like, oh my God, this would be amazing. And I'll buy 50 yards of it. And then in two years, it'll be a whole collection. So I feel like I very much fabric inspiration um, and being here is just really where I start. That makes sense. So what's your current favorite piece right now? And then what would you say is your bestseller? So we have a new dress coming out. Um, Our spring collection is dropping next week on March 1st. And we have a new dress called the Rita dress, which is a one shoulder bow dress. We are known for our bows. I once had a customer tell me that I was the bow queen of New York City, which I really (laughs) just resonated with me. Um, And so I really try to do one new bow piece each season. Um, This one is particularly uh, good. (laughs) It is bright, like yellow and happy. The bow is, it's so big. The bow is so big. Um, and it's, it's really just a great one. So I'm excited about her. Um, and I'd say our bestseller is our Eliza dress, which is, um, I think kind of where we started getting a little bit of traction, um, from people. It is like your most classic cocktail dress. She has a fit and flare, uh, front inverted pleats, a little cutout in the back, and then this gorgeous hand tied bow detail. And she's hundred percent silk. And, um, it's just like, someone my old boss from Kate Spade saw it and she's like how long have you been holding on to that one like and she was like I feel like that one just like has been sitting in your brain just waiting to be made (laughs) um and so she now comes in like five colors and uh she's really been a a champion for us oh my gosh I'm so excited about this new yellow dress though I got a sneak peek of it and I'm just like I need to find somewhere to wear this because it's gorgeous Yes. And she will also be coming in white for bridal. So all of my brides out there, stay tuned. I love that. So (laughs) since this is the Preppy podcast, I always ask everyone, what does Preppy mean to you? How would you describe it? Absolutely. So, you know, I grew up going to an all-girls preparatory school um, that very much embraced the Lily Pulitzer of it all, (laughs) Um, but I've never considered myself, I never wore Lily, I never really considered myself maybe preppy and what people think of as a traditional prep school Lily sense. Um, I think of preppy in more of a non-traditional way. Um, My own style, it's really grown and it's evolved and I've come to think of preppy as more of like an appreciation for the classics and mm-hmm. just like this unapologetic love of color. Um, I am, I love a bow and I love color and I love combining them. And I think for the customer that loves those, those types, that type of aesthetic, but maybe isn't drawn to the like more traditional lilies and vineyard vines of the world that we really have this kind of like sweet spot in the, in the preppy um, terrain. Definitely. I think there's a couple different kinds of preppy and that lily and vineyard vines is one, but then I think uh, sophisticated and just, yeah, love for color and um, sort of confidence in just like the classics. Yeah. Confidence in the classics. I think it's a really good way to describe us. You know, we're not, we are not trendy. And I am, if someone tells me I am trendy, I think I'd be more offended. (laughs) I, I have no interest in being trendy and keeping up on the trends because like, if I can't wear this dress in 10 years, why am I going to buy it? Yeah. It's funny. I was, um, super random, but I was on Instagram and, um, 
uh mary what's her name on inst from dallas she posted it was like an instagram q a and she's like i remember what because someone asked her about how she defines her style and she's like classic she's like i remember one time one of my friends years ago said i was really trendy and she's like i was mortified by that and so i've made it a point to like really be classic and um define my style that way and i was like that's so funny <laughs> yep exactly <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, what do you love most about what you do, about being on your own now and having something for yourself? Like, what's your favorite part? Absolutely. I honestly, I feel like I wake up every day and I'm like, oh my God, I get to do this for a living? How is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when I get to design and drape and be creative in my studio space, like that is the best. I don't get to do it very often, but um, it really is. And I also really, I didn't expect this, but I love working one-on-one -on -one with customers. Mm. Like I, I didn't even know how much I would love it, but I love teaching people and about the construction and where the fabrics come from and why they should love their clothes and why a luxury price point is granted when the quality of the garment is as high as ours is like yeah. it is it's really been such a teachable moment for me and I I didn't know that I was even going to enjoy it as much as I do yep no that's so funny how you know once you're in it then you you find different joys yeah exactly so I have a few like get to know you short answer. Oh, questions. absolutely. So the first is where's your favorite vacation destination? So my husband will probably get mad at me for saying this because we go every year to Aruba with um, his family on a timeshare, but that is not my favorite. <laughs> I love it. It's so lovely. I love it. It's the best time. But if I had to pick anywhere, um, France, 100%. I just got back from a uh, what I'm going to dub a best friend honeymoon. Um, <laughs> This past October with my best friend from college, Tiffany, we went to Paris and then we spent three days at a spa in the Loire Valley. It was uh -huh. the most glorious experience. And I told her that I will give up every vacation for the rest of the, my life if I can go back to this farm. <laughs> and there were goats <laughs> and chickens. And it was like we went to like a five course meal every night. It was the best. It was like absolutely the best vacation I've ever had. Oh, Minus my gosh of course <laughs> yeah that sounds so fun um girls trips are the best that's <laughs> oh, the best what's your go-to drink order Ooh, aperol spritz mm. i'm a spritzy uh, lady <laughs> what's a resource for business advice like would you say cfda or is there anywhere else yeah definitely so cfda is great especially if you're looking for like very specific um, industry contacts. I wouldn't say necessarily I would go to the CFDA if you're looking for like uh, advice or things like that. Um, the business of fashion is incredible. I highly, highly recommend subscribing to them. They actually have a podcast um, that's free. Um, I just finished listening to one that they just did called Why Dressing Up is Here to Stay. And it's a really just interesting dive into the resurgence of um, like formal dressing post-COVID, um, which is really interesting. But they have amazing articles and also are a great resource if you're job hunting. So I highly recommend them. Um, and then, you know, for those of you out there that are, are in a position in your business where you're looking to expand and grow, like getting into a business coaching program is really great. I highly recommend it. Um, I started by joining um, the Southern Sea, which was like a great entrepreneurial um, group of women. I know, um, Patricia, that you're also in, and mm -hmm. it was great to meet people. And and through that, I was able to also, you know, connect with others and eventually have joined um, Sally Holder's The Brim um, Business Coaching Program, which has just completely helped reshape my business. 
Um, and so that would really be my advice. Surround yourself with people who are going to champion your, your cause. Yes, I love that. Um, and those are all great resources. Thanks for sharing those. Yeah. Now, what about some of your favorite New York City spots? Oh my God, do I have to pick just one? <laughs> you can give me like three to five. <laughs> three to five. Okay, all right, all right. I'm going to break it down. Um, Museum the Whitney, for mm. sure. I just saw the Edward Hopper exhibit that was there. It was like this full retrospective on his life. I'm such an art nerd. Um, and it was amazing. I highly recommend it if you're visiting the city. Um, restaurants are like 4,020 I could think of off top of my head, but my top two, maybe, oh my God, someone's going to like yell at me for not including others, but I am unfortunately gluten-free. So there is this, oh God, there's so many good ones. Okay. So in the West village, there's this place called wild, which is a fully gluten-free place that is amazing. You would never know it. And they have the best pizza ever. Uh Um, then also Aunt Jake's, which is in Little Italy, but also on the Upper East Side. They hand make pasta in front of you. And they have gluten-free for those of you who are gluten-free, and it's amazing. And then for sushi, there is this sushi spot on the Upper West Side that has, like, a speakeasy vibe. There's no sign. You just have to know it's there, and you have to ask for the omakase, and it's mind-blowing. Like, Oh, so my gosh. And then last, bars. Um I would say I love a good hotel bar. I don't know why. I just do. I think it makes me feel fancy. Um, (laughs) So the Marlton and the Bowery hotels have amazing bars. And also there's a really cute spot in the West Village called Mace that does craft cocktails. Like they literally hand you a book that's like, I don't even know how thick, like amazing. And they break down the cocktails by different like flavor profiles. Okay. I could probably go on for a thousand years, but those are my top. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. What about shopping? Oh my God. So... I am a vintage person. Like, mm-hmm. I really rarely buy new clothes. I can't remember the last time I bought something out of an s- actual store. Um, I love the real real. Mm-hmm. I also – there. I have, like, a list. If anyone needs a list, reach out um, of vintage stores on the Upper East Side that do, like, consignment, vintage, and all kinds of stuff that I actually go for inspiration shopping a lot, too. Um, but those are – you will find me at the vintage stores in the city. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So I'm definitely going to reach out and yeah. um, check out some of these spots. <laughs> Absolutely. So what's next for you? Any sneak peeks that you can share with everyone listening? Yeah, we have so much coming. Oh my gosh. So spring is launching next week on 3-1. It'll be our our little spring drop. There's uh, six pieces, um, super colorful, more bows. Um, and that will be followed by our bridal drop, which will be at the end, mid to end of March. I'm really bad with dates. Um, <laughs> and then after that, we actually in April have our first ever collaboration coming up. We're going to be working with um, Houston-based stylist Valerie Dittner. Um, for a six-piece collab with her. And we're so excited, which we will be in um, Houston for. Um, So if you're in the Houston area, definitely uh, come see us. You can preview the collection and order. It'll be limited edition, which is going to be super exciting too. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. And people listening, um, I interviewed Valerie, I think last year. So definitely go back and listen to that too after this. Such nice synergies. I love that. (laughs) Valerie's the best. (laughs) Yeah. She is. She has such such cool style. Um, so my final question is, where can people find you? Let them know your social media handle and your website. Yeah, absolutely. So we are online at um, madeinnyc.com. It's M-A-E-D-I-N-N-Y-C because I love a pun, but also didn't realize that no one was going to be able to spell that when I came up with it. Um, or at madeinnyc on um, Insta and on TikTok. I love that. All right. Well, thank you, Sarah. This was so much fun. 
Awesome. Thanks so much, Patricia. Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media. 